verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So as we think about this Scripture, you know, we're going to come now to uh, what Paul writes down, the sealing of the Spirit. You know, we spoke just a touch about that Wednesday night. But you know, all that is being said from verse number 3 to verse number 14 is the workings of God in those people that are saved. So I believe that you could say this, that Paul is showing us the work of God that brought us to salvation and the benefits and the great blessings that we have. I mean, he's going to say in verse 3, Blessed be God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. How did that come about? How is it that we're blessed with all these spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus? So if you, if you could bear with us a minute, would you look one more time? Verse 4, According as He has chosen us in Him, who did this? God did this chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be. So here, here's some of the blessings. Here's the benefits. We should be holy without blame before Him, before God in love, having predestinated, so God did this as well, predestinated so to mark out, to declare the end from the beginning, to declare the destination before the journey began, He predestined us unto a job, adoption to place us as sons. You think this is just on man's will? This is on man's choice? This is on man's decision? I tell you, if it wasn't for the work of God, there would be nobody saved. There would be nobody saved. There's nobody seeking for God. Nobody stirring himself up to seek after God. None righteous. None that longs for God. None that wants to have anything. Man hates God. Man desires to be away from God. Man loves darkness and God is light. Man flees from the light. Man runs from the light. Man rejects the light. Man closes his eyes to the light. This is a work of God. You know what he's saying through here? I believe that God is saying through the Apostle Paul that you and I could be encouraged 
that we might realize that we've got a salvation that was wrought in God. We have a salvation that is brought through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and we have the assurance and the working of the Holy Spirit to bring us to that that we might have a firm, a confident, a hope, a, a bright and a absolute without any reservation. We've got an assurance that comes from God. What are we? I tell you, I'm a son of God, predestined to be adopted, to be placed as a son through the work of the Lord Jesus and the work of God. To the praise, you know something, I said this and I say it again, if there is any part, the most minute part of your salvation that is accredited to you, It's not the salvation of Ephesians chapter 1. The salvation of Ephesians chapter 1 is all to the glory of His grace. To the glory, to the praise of His glory that you, me, the saved, would be glorifying God. Paul said they glorified God in me. What was the Galatians doing glorifying God in in Paul? They was glorifying the work of God that was done in the man that used to be the persecutor, the blasphemer, the injurious, the one that persecuted the church, the one that wanted to destroy and wipe out the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They was glorifying the work of God that was done in this man. What a change! That's what they were glorying. They were glorifying the grace of God. What are we saved by? We're saved by grace. The unmerited, undeserved, unworked for. Grace of God, the divine influence on the inside of you that brings about an outward action. Was I saved without believing? Was I saved against my will? Did I come kicking and screaming against God? Did God drag me to the altar? (laughs) No ma'am and no sir, He did not. He brought me to a place that I saw my condition. He brought me to a place of acceptance. He brought me to a place that I agreed with what God said about me. He brought me to a place that I realized I was lost and undone on my way to hell, had always rejected God, had always resisted the working of the Holy Spirit, but He brought me to a place through and by the work of the Holy Ghost and through and by the Word of God. He brought me to a place that I wanted to, I was willing to and I did come and desire to be saved and yielded myself on the altar to the Word and the workings of the Holy Spirit of God. I desired and wanted to be saved not against my will but in absolute accordance to my own will. I wanted to be saved. God brought that about. And every man, every woman, every boy, every person that has ever been saved has come the same way. You preach that it's a work of God and people says, oh, you're preaching that people are being saved against their will. There's absolutely no way I have ever preached that anybody's saved against their will. 
And I would say this for me and for you, I believe as well. If you ever willed, if you ever willed to be saved, it was because God was doing a work in you. If you ever considered being saved, it was because God was doing a work in you. So I believe that this is that the Ephesians might have a great consolation, a confidence, an assurance. So what else do we have? Well, we've been chosen. We've been predestined to be adopted as children. We are accepted in the Beloved, and we have redemption. So there's a ransom being paid through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. You see, it's just over and over and over again. It's according to God's grace. Me and James was reading this morning in the book of Ephesians, how is a man saved? A man saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. One man asked the Lord Jesus, he said, What work shall I do? What work shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said this, The work of God is to believe on Him whom He has sent. Let me ask you this, can you do that work? Let's get it down, I mean get it down. Let's get it down right down to the nitty gritty. Can you do that work? It's a gift of God. For you to believe, it's a gift of God. For you to have faith, it's a gift of God. We're saved by grace through faith. This is the Word of God. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. The immediate thing that I must look back to is faith. You know, I, I, I'm not real good with English. And I, it's probably one of my worst subjects, to be honest with you. But I don't believe there's any question in what, and that not of yourselves, what do I need to look back to? Faith. The faith was not of yourselves. It is, faith is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, that is an absolute refuse, refuting of what the Lord said to that man that said, Lord, what work shall I do? The work that you shall do is believe on the one whom God has sent. But the truth is, man can't do it. The way that I believe was because God gave me the gift of faith. God gave me the gift. He gifted me with faith. Faith cometh by what? By hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. The preacher's going to preach. We've got to have him, right? He's got to be called, right? Why do you reckon he needs to be called? Maybe, maybe that he might be endued with power. Maybe that he might have the Holy Ghost to be able to rightly divide the Word of God. Maybe that he might be equipped and enabled with the Holy Ghost to deliver that. And faith unto faith, maybe it might be that the day that God saved you, without a shadow of a doubt, the Holy Spirit was working in the message. The Holy Spirit wrote down the message. The Holy Spirit was working in the preacher as he delivered the message. And the Holy Spirit was working in you that you might believe it. 
Thank God. You know, you know who gets all the glory for that? Well, preacher, I believed. You believe because God gifted you to believe. But what I read, the reason that I'm forgiven, the reason that I'm redeemed is according to the riches of His grace. Wherein He hath abounded in all wisdom and prudence. Do you know what I know? I know now by the workings of God, the will of God. You know the will of God. Man didn't know that before. We now, through the wonderful, abundant riches of God's grace, we now know the will of God. We now know. We now have an insight into the Word of God. We now are able that we, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, everything's going to be gathered together in Christ. You see that in verse number 10. Verse number 11. In whom also... So I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm adopted, I've been chosen, but guess what? There's something else. I've got an inheritance. I've got an inheritance. Do you see that? In whom also, so through Christ, I'm chosen. Through the work of God in Christ, I've been chosen. I've been adopted into the family of God. I have forgiveness. I've been made holy and without blame. I have forgiveness, redemption, I've been saved, been uh, forgiven, my sins have been washed away. But on top of all of that, now I know the will of God. And guess what? I also have an inheritance. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Who's working all of this? God is that we should be working all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. So, why am I saved? According to His will, for His purpose, for the praise of His glory. That's exactly right. God didn't save you because He saw something in you. He saved you in spite of what He saw in you, in spite of what He saw in me, that it was so absolutely impossible and unlikely that you and I would ever be saved that people would be amazed that you're saved. Praise to His glory. Can you see that, folks? That's the reason we're saved. We're saved to glorify God. We're saved to glorify the grace of God. We're saved that He might get all the praise, honor, and glory. So we're saved. We have an inheritance in whom also you trusted. So we said Wednesday night that we were saved, we believed, We trusted, we hope, we have a certain expectation when we believed, when we trusted, when we put faith in the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, here's something else, in Christ, my gosh, can you look from verse 3 and see all the blessings we've got? Chosen. 
without blame, holy, adopted, blameless, redeemed, forgiven, inheritors, know the will of God, and now there's something more? Now we have the seal. Now we have been sealed. In whom also ye were sealed. Let me read this like it goes. In whom also, after that you believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So there's even more. I, I would say this. I believe this would be the truth. Out of all that I have read up to this point, I can count on that by the Word of God. But there's something more. There's something more to assure. Something more to authenticate. Something more that I am sure of. So, I'd like to think a, a, a little bit... Maybe, maybe I, I want you to think about this first of all. So, uh, authenticate or ownership. So, the seal. Maybe we could see the seal, and we could see the seal in the Old Testament. The king took a ring, wrote a letter, folded it up, sealed it with a drop of wax, and he took his ring and he pushed it down in that. The coins that were used in Jesus' day. Whose picture was on that coin? Caesar. So remember this. Don't get lost in these words. But remember this, that all of these words that I'm using are for you as a child of God to authenticate ownership. Authority, security. All of these words go with this word seal. So let's think about that for a moment. So as I, as I think about authenticate, so I think about ownership, or today in business, we have what's called branding. So now we... I believe the first thing when I think about branding, you know, I've got animals, I think about animal branding. So the branding of animals was to show a mark of ownership, right? But do you know that the brand, the brand has to be registered. I can't just make up my brand and start uh, putting that on animals and I go down to Joseph's house, or I go to Vaughn's house, or I go somewhere else and I put my brand on their animals, if they've got a brand on their animals, their, their, their brand is registered as well. That brand has to be registered for authentication. So as you think about that, this brand, this seal... The word means to burn. To burn. So God, you know what He said? He said, I'm gonna, I, I, I baptize you with water. 
But there's coming one who is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Right? So authenticate. Can I know that I belong to God? What has God given me? What has God put on me? How has God marked me? How has God identified me to be one of His? He's given us the seal of the Holy Spirit. So, now you think about this. Today, we've got what we call branding in business. You know, I don't know a lot about this, but let me just read a little bit of some of the definition. So the process of creating a distinct identity for a business in the mind of the target audience. So the consumer, the consumer is going to think when you mention something, he's going to think of your brand. Your brand is going to be in the mind. You know, I think about this. And we can talk about brands, we can talk about logos, and we can talk about trademarks. You know, there's an automobile, got a a logo on it, shaped like that. What is that? Ford. There's a logo that's made like a bow tie. What is that? Chevrolet. There's a picture that looks like an apple with a stem and a bite took out of it. What is that? Apple industry. There's golden arches. Who is that? McDonald's. You know all of these. Who is that? That brand is there. Are there imposters? I was reading an article this afternoon that happened in Spartanburg, South Carolina. You know, textiles. So there's still some textiles. A great, great confiscation of t-shirts, hats, jeans, pullover shirts that had imposter logos on them. Adidas, Nike, Coca-Cola's got a logo. You can't infringe on that. Taco Bell, you can't infringe on that. Even the little dog back in the 90s, you can't use that. That belongs to the owner of that logo, that trademark, that brand. It belongs. When you see that, you know who owns that. When you see that animal that's got that got that brand on it, maybe it's a rockin' R. Uh, maybe it's some other uh, brand. When you see that R sitting on what looks like a rocking chair leg, you know something? You know the man that owns that brand? You know the man that owns that animal. God has given the church and those that are born again a mark of authenticity. He's done that. So... You, you, you think about this. To stamp a, bar, a mark of identifying the property. So then you've got authority. I mentioned it last week. And I thought about it different this week. 
You know, I think it's absolutely wonderful. I hope you can see it. So me and Dwight is going to trade on a vehicle. I'm going to give him money. He's going to sell me a vehicle. We're both going to sign. But you know, that's not enough. There's a third party. I say I'm saved. I say I believe in Jesus Christ and what He did. Let's just imagine that now. There's my signature and there's Jesus' signature. I say I believe in what Jesus did. So there, there is what He did. Sign. There is I say I believe. But you know that's not enough. There's a third party got a sign on the line. There's a third party got to put the seal on it. If I'm going to take it to the authorities, if I'm going to take it and I'm going to go through and be able to get a title and be able to get a tag for this vehicle that I brought from Dwight, there's got to be a seal. There's got to be authority. There's got to be a person of authority. A person that is able to give the authority and say, yes, Dwight signed. Yes, Greg signed. I saw it. Let me sign on there and say that it is true. The Holy Ghost is the authority from the third person of the Godhead that I am a child of God. Is this necessary? He says this, after you believed, you were sealed. After you believe, you are sealed. I believe we've established this. There is no way to be saved without the working of the Holy Spirit in you. No way for you to be saved unless there's a working of the Holy Spirit in you. That, 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 can't, that can't be. There's just no way that that can be. So let's go a little farther. Security. In Matthew 27, 66, you know what was told? Go seal the tomb and make it as sure as you can. What were they doing? They were trying to secure the tomb that the Lord Jesus couldn't be stolen, that He wasn't going to come out. So what is that? Do I have that security? (laughs) I think so. Thank God you know something. Here I am. And I thought about this this week. Isn't it something that we believe it so greatly? It's a bottle of medicine. It's a jar of peanut butter. It's a gallon of milk. If the seal is broken, we will not use it. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? So how in the world Can we think that we're saved? And I want to say it like this. How can I have the confidence that I'm saved without the seal of the Holy Spirit? You see, all of this is to be a help to the church. All that he said from verse 3 to verse number 13 where we are right now 
is to help the church. It's to help those people that are saved. That's what it's for. So, I want to think about this a little farther. He says to us, In whom also, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So after you believed, you were sealed. So, if I look in the Bible, now we've we've talked about sealing that we're all familiar with, but in the Bible there is sealing. So if you'd walk with me, I'll try to stay somewhat in order. So let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. You know, I believe this would be good words to confirm, to certify, to assure, to authenticate, to show security, to show authority. Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 16. And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto Him. And He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What do we have right here? I believe that we have God the Father authenticating His Son. God is saying, this is my Son. How? The Spirit of God descended upon Him. And it abode on Him. And He didn't have the Spirit with measure. He had the Spirit without measure. But this is God Almighty authenticating who Jesus Christ is. Can you see that? That even the Son of God had authentication from God the Father... God the Holy Spirit. Here is the Son in the river of Jordan. Here is the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And here is the voice of God from heaven ringing out and saying, putting His seal on, This is my Son. Do we need that? Let's go to John. John chapter number 1. John chapter 1, verse 33, 34. Verse 33, And I knew Him not, but He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, On whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending. Now, Who's going to have the assurance here? I'm not saying the authentication. The authentication is coming, but who's going to be assured? Can you see that? So listen. I knew Him not, but He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on Him, the same is He which shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. 
And I saw and bear record. So John puts his seal on it now. Bear record that this is the Son of God. So John is saying, by God's authentication, I'm assured and I am confident and I authenticate that this is the Son of God. I want to put my seal on it and say it's true. This is the Son of God. Go with me to three, chapter 3, verse 33. I'll read two or three verses. Verse 31, John three thirty-one. He that cometh, uh, cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthy, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. Now I believe John is saying it like this. Through the natural man, no man's going to receive the testimony of Christ. Through the natural man, the natural man receiveth not the things of God. But he goes on in verse 33 and says this, He that hath received his testimony hath set this seal that God is true. What's happened? I tell you, when this man believed by the work of the Holy Spirit, this man is going to set his seal. By this man believing, this man is setting his seal. I believe the testimony that God has given. I want to authenticate that I believe it. I want you to know that I believe what has been revealed unto me. I want, you to, I want you to know that I believe that. And you know what that believing is? It's the seal. God did that work and He has set His seal. So now I'm not talking about that He is the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about that He has said and He has believed, and He has set His seal. He is saying, I believe this testimony. Go on with me to John chapter number 6. John chapter 6. So, here's Jesus. The beginning of chapter 6, Jesus is going to feed 5,000 plus women and children. Right? Think with me. He's fed 5,000 with women and children as well. They've took up 12 baskets, come down towards uh, the latter part, and they've come across the sea to find Jesus. Now listen to these words. John chapter 6, verse 25. And when they had found Him on the other side of the sea, they said unto Him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek Me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Why were they seeking after Christ? Because of what He had done for them. Did they believe in Him? No, they didn't believe in Him. They were seeking after Him for what He could do for them. 
how many people in my life of salvation and trying to be a pastor, how many times in my life have I seen people make professions and make promises, if God will get me out of this, if God will get me through this, if God will help me here, if God will help me through this operation, if God will help me through this, I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to come to church. Never did it. What were they after? That were after what He could do for their flesh. That's it. Let's read on. So they're there because of the fishes and the loaves. Jesus says in verse number 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, For him hath God the Father sealed. What's Jesus saying to these people? You may not believe him because you might have grown up with him. You said, That's Joseph's son. But you know what God did? God allowed him to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fishes. You know what God did? God authenticated him. God sealed him. God said, now, who can have this authority? Who has the authority to forgive sin? That's in the Gospels, right? Jesus said, thy sins are forgiven. They said, oh, who, who is able to forgive sin but God? Which is easier? To say, thy sins are forgiven, or to prove, take up thy bed and walk. What did Jesus do? The man got up and walked. Lazarus came forth from the dead. You know what all of those are? All of those are the seal of God, the authenticity of God, the authority given unto the Son from God, The Son has the authority to raise the dead. Who can raise the dead but God? Who can give sight to the blind but God? Who has ever heard of anybody that was born blind having their sight? Jesus gave sight to a man that was born blind. Who gave Him that authority and that ability to do that? God did! You know what He's doing? He's authenticating that this is my Son. So if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had God's authentication, God's authority, God's security, do I need it? No salvation without the Spirit. And you know, I'm... I'm, He says to us in Romans chapter 8. Chapter 8, He says this. Verse number 16, Romans 8, 16. The Spirit, whether I believe in your Bible, it'll be a capital S. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit 
that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So there's confirming, there's authenticity, there's God's brand, there's God's mark, there's God's ownership, there's God's authority, there's God's assurance. The Bible says this, in whom after, in whom ye also after that ye trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, comma, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And I just admit and just say the truth. Until this scripture right here, always thought it all went together. And maybe you think that. And I believe that's what's promoted. I believe that's what is believed by, by the majority. But notice that it said, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. So read with me. Don't leave me. Just stay with me. You, you can question it. That's all right. You can question it. I'm not going to tell you something that the Bible won't go with. But just be open-minded and listen and listen to the Scripture. And when we get down to the end, then you make your decision. In uh, John chapter 14, verse 17, what's going to happen? Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but you know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So the Comforter is coming. The sealing, the authority, the assurance of the Holy Spirit is coming. Are these people believers? Okay, don't make your decision yet. Verse 26, 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 16, verse 13. John 16. I have yet many things to say you, verse 12, to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever ye shall hear, that shall He speak, shall, He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will shew you things to come. Go with me. Farther, John 20. Let's start in John 20, verse 20. And when He had said, He shewed unto them His hands. So He's come. This is the, the evening of resurrection day. 
He's come. The doors were shut. He come into the house. Verse 20. When he had so said, he said, Peace be unto you. So said, he showed unto them his hands, his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be to you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. This is before Pentecost. We can't believe without the working of the Spirit. But they receive ye the Holy Ghost. Thomas wasn't there. After eight days, verse 26, his disciples were within. Do they be, are they believers? They're believers. They are believers. They're believers. And they do have the Holy Spirit. But there is coming on the day of Pentecost an outpouring, an engulfing, an endoing with power that they have never experienced thus far. Would you agree with that? It's coming. They are believers. After eight days, verse 26, His disciples, He and His disciples were within, Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said He unto Thomas, What did Thomas say? I'm not going to believe. I'm not a believer. He comes in. Thomas, you're not going to believe a believer till you reach your hand. Here I am, Thomas. Put your hand in my side. Put your hand here in my hands. And you know what Thomas says? He doesn't reach his hand in his side. He doesn't take hold of Jesus' hand, does he? He doesn't do that. But this is what he said. And Thomas answered and said... He said, Thomas, Behold, my hands reach hither thy hand and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Who helped Thomas say that? Who can call Him Lord? The Holy Spirit. So they are believers. And they do have the Holy Spirit. But there's a day coming that's a greater. There's another day coming. And this is what's... I know this may be hard for you to stomach or hard for you to, to process or think on. But please, if you got a pen, write these Scriptures down and you go read it again for yourself. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter number 1. Now, He's breathed on them the Holy Spirit. He tells them in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 49, He said, Tarry ye at Jerusalem till ye be endued with power. They're going to spend ten more days after He ascends and goes to heaven, they're going to spend ten more days as believers. But there's coming an authenticity, an authority, a brand, a mark, a confirmation 
an, a, a, an assurance that they are never ever going to forget. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power <laughs> after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He's already breathed the Holy Ghost on them, hasn't he? Let's just get it down to us. Is there been services? Has there been times that God has overcome you? Though you've been saved for many years, there's been particular services that God overcome you, wasn't there? There was a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that true? So you were a believer, and you had the Holy Spirit living within you, but during that service, during that time, there was such an outpouring that brought you great assurance, wasn't there? Yes, that's true. We're going to read in the book of Acts, there's believers that's never had the Holy Ghost. It's true. You just bear with me. Acts 1.8 but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witness unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, earth. You know what I need. You know what you need. Am I saved? I believe I'm saved with all of my heart. I believe that the Holy Spirit dwells within me. But I tell you, I need the overwhelming, overpowering work of the Holy Spirit in my life if you and I are going to be witnesses. Would you entertain this thought? Luke 11, that man that we spoke of this morning, he had a friend came in the middle of the night, asked for bread. He didn't have any. He went to his friend and asked for bread. And he stayed until he got bread. And Jesus said this at the end of those verses. Pray ye, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, pray ye for the Holy Spirit. Pray ye for the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit and the power of God in Acts chapter 1 to witness we need the Spirit and the power of God to have something to set before our families. I'm not talking about that I know that I'm saved, that I am indwelt with the Spirit, that God saved me through the work of His Spirit. We need the outpouring and the enduing of power through and by the work of the Holy Ghost. There's more, ladies and gentlemen. You, you, I believe you would have to say it your own self. That God has done a work in you and worked in you and worked with you and worked on you at times and overwhelms you. And the honest to God truth is you were filled with the Holy Spirit. You were overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So don't, don't, don't reject this. Acts 2 verse 4. So the day of Pentecost was fully come. Are they believers? 120 in the upper room, are they believers? They're believers. Verse 4, 
the day of Pentecost has come, what's God doing? I tell you, God is going to authenticate His church. God is going to give His church the authority. God is going to say, these are mine. Verse 4, And they were all filled, overflowing under the influence. I believe he says it in Galatians or Ephesians. Be ye not drunk with wine. So there's a picture naturally. Can you see the picture of a drunk? You've seen a drunk. Maybe you've never seen a man drunk. You probably watched Andy Griffin and you saw Otis. Right? Otis had characteristics and actions of a man that was drunk, didn't he? The writer says to us, Be ye not drunk with wine, but be ye filled. Be under the influence, be under the power, be under the authority, be under the overflowing power of the Holy Ghost. Should I pray for that? You and I, every one of us, should pray for that. Go with me a little farther. 2.38, Acts 2.38. Peter says this, Peter said unto them, their heart was, was pricked. What pricked their heart? You might say, well, it was the preaching of Peter. Acts 2.38. It was the preaching of Peter. It was more than that. It was the preaching of Peter... And it was the working of the Holy Spirit through Peter. And it was the working of the Holy Spirit in them. God was pricking their heart. It wasn't Peter pricking their heart. Let me ask you this. How in the world could I prick Heather's heart? The only way I could prick her heart is to take some instrument and go through the meat, go through the breast, go through the breastbone, go into the heart cavity and prick. I can't prick the heart but the Holy Ghost can prick the heart. You can't prick the heart, but the Holy Ghost through you can prick the heart. They were pricked in their hearts. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Peter said in verse 238, Repent ye and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Go with me to 8 and 5. 8 and 5. Here is Philip down. The, the, the church is being dispersed. The church is under persecution. Peter has gone down to Samaria. Verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Verse 8. Verse 6. The people with one accord gave heed. What did they give heed to? They gave heed to, Peter's, uh, to Philip's preaching of Christ. Verse number 12. But when they believed Philip's preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. They were believers. They were baptized. The baptizing was the outward sign and the outward show that they were believers. You think Philip's going to believe them if they're not believers? He ain't going to baptize them. Peter's not going to baptize them. Philip is not going to baptize them in verse number in verse number 12, Acts chapter 8. But listen. But listen. Verse 15. So now, I'm sorry, verse 14. When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, 
they sent Peter and John, who when they were come down, listen, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet He was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Were they believers? They were believers. But they had not had the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost had not been poured out on them. If I poured this out, could you see it? You could, couldn't you? Do you think if the Holy Ghost was poured out on the congregation at Liberty Baptist Church, the lost man and the lost woman could see it? Though, though we're saved, do we need something greater than being saved? Do we need something more than the Holy Spirit, that alarm system that Brad talks about living within us? Do we need something more than that to witness, to convince that people could see the pouring out of God? Do we need that? We need that, folks. Chapter 10, verse 44. Peter is down at Cornelius' house. While he spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For... How did they know? How could they distinguish? What authority? What authenticity? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Now they were believers. They hadn't even been baptized yet, but the Holy Ghost was poured out on them. Could I say that it's three days after, five days after, 20 days after, three months after you're saved and you believe that the Holy Ghost is poured out on you? No. But I do say that it is after. It is after you believe. It is after the working of the Holy Spirit in you to bring you to a place of faith. It is after that. And, and, and Peter and John are praying. He tells us in Luke 11 for us to pray for the Holy Spirit. Poured out. They were filled with. i tell you something. I don't believe that we've got the authority, the authenticity, the power that we need to witness. I don't believe we have that like we need it today. We need it greater, do we not? So Peter, Peter in 11, 12 He's called before the council. They said, what are you doing down there with these Gentiles? So the Bible says this. Peter or Cornelius called for him. He rehearses this before the council. Verse number 14. Uh, Acts eleven fourteen. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. What's Peter talking about on us as at the beginning? 
He's not talking about when Jesus breathed on them. He's not talking about that they were believers. He's not talking about ten days in the upper room. He is talking about the day of Pentecost when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. One more time. Bear with us just another minute. Acts chapter 11. And in Acts chapter 11, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Acts chapter 19. And we are talking right here about the very church that we're studying on of Ephesus. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That word there, since you believed, means to have faith. Since you've had faith, have you received, have you taken hold of, or have you been seized by, or has the Holy Ghost taken hold or seized you have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Now they're believers. He said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on Him which should come after Him. So now that's what they heard. What did they believe? They believed John's message that there's one coming after Him. Paul is going to say who came after Him. Paul is going to say this, on him, believe on Him which should come after Him, That is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized. Think Paul's going to baptize any unbelievers? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Period. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, The Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Started with twelve men at Ephesus. What do we have? I tell you, we've got everything in Ephesus chapter 1 from verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all blessings. And all above all through verse 3 to verse number 13, we come to verse 13, and also, also, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You know what you can have? An absolute assurance. 